Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. I would like to uh, express my thanks for. I'm uh, really thankful for the uh, crew that came out yesterday to have a walkthrough, and they, uh, they really make this portable church work. And it's been, uh, it, it's been in my heart to uh, e- express my own thanks, and I'm sure those in the, uh, in the church will uh, uh, have the uh, same uh, thoughtfulness and the thanks for them as well. So I thank them a lot. Second is that the, as Petey mentioned, Second thing is that, as the PD mentioned, last Sunday the ordination service was just incredible. The, again, the volunteers who came out to set up the table that looks awesome, take them down. The people who uh, served as ushers, and it was just, just, just awesome. Not to mention the, that, that amazing dinner that we had. And I can still taste that shrimp wrapped with the bacon. <laughs> If you didn't come out last Sunday, what else can I say? I'm sorry you didn't. You missed it, and we hope to have a chance. Okay. And the, uh, uh, I, there's an, uh, one more thing in my heart is that as I was pre- preparing this, you know, it's really a, not just an effort. You really need God's hand to move your heart. So I was doing this, and I said, you know, these pastors that we have, they do this week in and week out, every week. And I don't think I could do it. (laughs) But we are thankful that we have uh, three pastors who are committed to this and have uh, uh, the the humble heart that seeks after the word of God. So I would like to thank them too. So after having said that, then I was thinking, wait a minute, you know, I've been... I've been to other churches, and this is the only church that makes elders preach. <laughs> so I think it's, I, Petey tells me it's a policy, but now that I'm officially in the board, maybe we can work on this. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. One thing I do ask that is that the, uh, as I preach, as I uh, humbly proclaim the word of God, would you keep me in your prayer? That is not about me. It's not about us. It's that yeah, I am just using. I'm gonna be willing to be a vehicle for the word of God to be preached, however insufficient it may be. That's what has God chosen to do. So I thank God and I ask for your prayer. Okay. Okay, and I'm gonna do one uh, thing that is slightly different. Before I read the passage, can I ask you to rise one more time to receive the word, the word of God? Thank you. I'll be reading from a, uh, John chapter 16, from the uh, verse 5 through 11. If you can open and read with me. Okay. Verse 5, it says, Now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asked me, where are you going? 
Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counsel will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And regard to judgment, because the prince of the world now stands condemned. Amen. Thank you. Okay, so the, uh, the, the title of this preaching is Filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is uh, another wi- wisdom God has gi- given me, is that if you don't know what to preach, preach about the things that you are convinced of, and the things that will remind you about what we, what we believe. And the, the one of thing I think, is the Holy Spirit. And those of us who grew up in the church, I think we have some idea. I hope it's beyond that. We have a conviction that the Holy Spirit is God himself. And again, I, I know many of you grew up in church, and uh, we, u- we used to recite the Apostles' Creed. And one of the uh, sentences in that is that yeah, we believe in the Holy Spirit. Okay. And the point was that they are trying to make sure or remind us at least once a week that we have this mystery God, the Godhead in three, what we call Trinity, or the triune God, and the, the Holy Spirit is third person in that Trinity, and he is God. That's something women are fully Understand, yet that's, I think, what the Bible is teaching us. And it will be, I think it will, it will be good for us to remind ourselves that the Holy Spirit is God. Okay. And as I was looking through the Bible about regarding the Holy Spirit, and it's just, it's no less than miracle that how many times the Holy Spirit has been referred to, mentioned, throughout the passage. Example, if you look in Genesis, the beginning of the chapter, in, chap- in chapter 1, verse 2, Holy Spirit is already, men- already mentioned. If you look at the last paragraph of a Revelation, chapter 2, chapter 22, the last chapter, the Holy Spirit is there. And, and along the way, from the beginning to end, there are multiple, multiple times that the Spirit is mentioned, described, and it is praised as the Spirit of God. So it's just, it's, it just was amazing to see me. I think we are familiar with the names of the Holy Spirit that we call him Comforter, Counselor, Helper, and those are ones that yeah, we know. We grew up with, so we know them. But I had a chance to look into the what else? What else could the Holy Spirit could be described as? And there are, I'm not going to go through all this, but there are multiple of them. I found at least 35. I'm sure there are more. There are, uh, some, there are some books that if you look into, one claims that yeah, you know, he found uh, 780 times that it is mentioned in the Bible that describes the Holy God as uh, something else that we can relate to. The one clear example, it comes from the uh, book of Isaiah. 
in one verse in chapter 11, there are six, six attributes of the Holy Spirit that I think we can relate to because if you listen to these, it's not just God that being described. It's, some, it's something that we, ourselves, have the characters in us and we can relate these to. So the, just, the, just the six of those are the, uh, the Holy Spirit is described or attributed to as the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of power, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. In one verse. Okay? So that was uh, a really encouraging to see that the other... The Holy Spirit is not just an entity out there just, you know, flowing around. It's a God himself who has assumed the characters that we have that we can relate to. I think what I, where I'm going is that yeah, because the God has these characters, we can perhaps start cultivating, developing a relationship that God himself will, re- will reveal to us. You know, if you want to be technical, Jesus has ascended. He sits at the right hand of Father. And the Holy Spirit is amongst us. And this is the same Holy Spirit that we appeal to. To telling us, pleading, to reveal to us. That was a wake-up call. (laughs) Reveal to us what the will of the Almighty God. So that was... That was really good. So, so to make this short, because I promised the seeds that the sermon will not be that long. So I want to keep that. So, so, you know, there are greater minds have dedicated their lives looking at, describing, understanding, and having a taste of what the Holy Spirit is. So if you want to look into those, I'm sure there are multiple resources uh, available, and I'll just point them to those. To summarize the point one, the Holy Spirit is the third person. As God had in three, the triune God, we don't fully understand, but we accept as the theology that we believe in. But the point, I think, is that he is a person. He possesses the attributes that you and I have, and in some verses that he can be even grieved and that is what is encouraging to me to say that the, uh, he understands what I feel. He has the same character as I. And I can start relating to him in a level that is not always me down here, God up here, but at times referring to him as a friend. Isn't that what the Jesus said? He will be a friend? Okay, okay so that's a kind of a, a short description of what the Holy Spirit is. In today's verses that we read, there are four things that I may want to go over. And there are, uh, the one is that the, uh, uh, if I look at the verse 5 to 7, that it said, Now I'm going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away, Unless I go away, the council will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So in that three verses, the first thing that I see is the sovereignty of God. For a, uh, this magic, 
I shouldn't say that. It's a, uh, it's a holy plan that the God has laid out. It says that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit will not be here at the same time. It's just a God saying, God's telling us, I'll bring the Son sitting on my right hand I will send the Holy Spirit. And the amazing thing is that there is no explanation given. God is not telling us why he's doing this. There is no excuses. And there are no, there's no apologetic explanation of why I'm doing this. And I take it as a, as a sovereignty of God that he's doing because he's God. And at many times, that calls for in our faith to in obedience to listen to that. The times we do not fully understand what God is doing, what he's doing. And the understanding, I think, it will come when we, in obedience, tell God, you are God. I don't fully understand what you are doing, but you are, your sovereignty, the sovereign God, will know the best, and he will, at time, tell us why he's doing what, what he's doing. So that's what I saw. It's a, you know, it's a physical presence of Jesus Christ is now replaced with something that is no longer physically tangible. What I meant by it is that if you were one of 12 disciples, you would have eaten with them, traveled with him, maybe slept in a one location, embraced him, heard with your own ears the teaching of Christ himself. So they had, we may claim that, you know, they, these guys had the advantages because they had the Jesus Christ in their sight, which may be true. Okay. Well, we don't have that now. We have to instead rely on the Holy Spirit. Spirit we cannot see. Right? We cannot touch. But if you look back, I think it's a wonderful thing that we have a spirit himself here that is invisible and untouchable. If, if that were not the case, what would it be? We'll be relying on the visual evidence. Some, something that I can see. Something I can touch. And when I do that, then I'll believe it's God. And I think there are some cults out there who are seeking, perhaps claiming to have done that. But we don't have that. But I think it's a wonderful thing because he is giving us something far better than the physical evidence. He gives us the conviction in our hearts that God himself dwells among or dwells in you. And if that view or if that feeling or sense of a Holy Spirit being with us is there any other evidence that we need? And I think the world cannot understand. The world cannot understand and probably is rightly saying that they are not designed, called to understand this. But we do. And that's the spirit that is guiding us. So what are we to do? As I said, is a Holy Spirit of God who is communing at times with us and are we not to study more about him? Of course. 
Are we not to know more about, more about him? Of course. We should do all those things, but if you stop, if you stop at that, just knowing about him, I think we are lacking something. Is knowing about him is probably the starting point. But we need to really feel the presence of God. And I'm asking that how many of us have felt the presence, the sense of God being with us? I think we all have, right? And those of you who are born again, you must have felt that. Because Jesus teaches us that we have to be born again, and if when we are born again, is a born of the Spirit. The Spirit, the Spirit of God, must have left a mark in your heart. So at least we have, to me, is at least one instance that you know what it felt like. And that kind of a feeling, that sense of belonging to God, I think that's what we are striving for. The second point that I see is that the, uh, is it not also a demonstration of a Christ's love and concern for us? What if Jesus said, you know, I'm going to God, my Father, I'm done with this earth, I'm going to go up where I belong, and the rest of you, good luck. And if you do good, I'll see you maybe in heaven. Wouldn't it be a terrible thing? But he, when he, when he said, is, is it me? Or is it the Holy Spirit trying to wake you guys? It's <laughs> so important topic, you know, I begin to fall asleep. Anyway. You know, so he ascended, but what if there's a void? What if there's a nothing else we can rely on? He has given us the word, yep. Absolutely, he had. But more than that, it's the Spirit of God himself is dwelling in us. And what more can we ask for? Do we still ask for the uh, visual evidence that Jesus was there? Do we still seek to touch his, touch his uh, hands and feet? Or are we convinced that the, uh, the Holy God dwells in us and that is a conviction of itself that we do belong to, to the Almighty God. So uh, that's the second point. And the, uh, you know, the verses that we didn't read, but if you go down two more in John 16, 13, it all said that the, uh, the Holy Spirit, he will teach us and guide us in all truth. Then he said the Spirit will tell us what is yet to come. And this, I see it as another evidence that the Holy Spirit is interacting with us on a daily basis. Okay. I have some, I've heard some sermons about this point, that Bible itself is completed. It's a complete Word of God. There's nothing else to be added. There is, I think there's a uh, group of uh, I guess very conservative churches who do believe that God's word has been given and that's it. But when I read a verse like this, that he's going to tell you what is yet to come, 
I don't think he meant a general description that we can find in the Bible, right? If you add one little dot to the scripture, Christ will be very unhappy. But he himself said we are not to add or take away even a dot. But that is not to say the Holy Spirit will interact with us He will tell us what is yet to come, not in general sense, not make a prediction of when the Christ will come next, but he said, yeah, daily walk that we have, he will not leave us alone, but guide us. And what a tremendous encouragement, what a tremendous love that we see that God himself will walk with us day in and day out. So, you know, we often uh, uh, ask this question, if God is dwelling amongst us and talking to us. Well, how do you hear his voice? And, you know, there's no one answer to it, right? There are many ways God can speak to us. But from a personal experience, the one thing that I'm sure of is that God speaks to you through that, that inner voice that you are not sure where it came from, but there is a voice that stirs in your heart and you start asking, is this the voice of God? Is this the God's answer to the prayer that I had? Those of you who are listening to the uh, Moody Broadcasting, there is a uh, uh, well-known preacher based out of Dallas, it's Chuck Swindoll. And I'm sure many of you have heard him. And uh, as I was thinking about this Holy Spirit, what a merciful God, because I didn't know what to say about this. I happened to hear his sermon on the same topic. Then he gives, he has the same idea that this is a, this, this inner vo- the inner voice that we hear. But he has a name for it. He calls it UIP. It's an unidentified inner prompting. And I looked at us, you know, I listened to us, you know, that is true. That, that nudging in your heart that you feel, the feeling that I'm having right now, to God says, go on. That feeling, right? That's not from man. That's not from world. But, you know, we are given the ability to identify such UIPs. And at times, he will give you, even give you the reassurance that is God's voice. And we are to respond in obedience. Okay. In verse 9 through 11, there are three key things, and those I have to admit the credit goes to PD. He was able to see those things and put it in a very concise forms that I can use. So thank you. So in, in, in verse 9, if I can find a verse, he said, in regard to sin, because of men do not believe in me. So he convicts us of the sin of not believing in Christ. And we will submit, we will proclaim that this is probably the primary function of the Holy Spirit. Is he will open our eyes, particularly the eye of our hearts, and, and look at what, who, G, who Jesus is and what he has done for us. So this is what we call the Salvation, right? So he leads us to the repentance, 
we confess the falling short of the glory of God, that itself is a sin. We've got to deal with those. But he let us see the immense grace and the mercy and the love of Christ. I think we talk about it all the time. But at some points, I think it's worthwhile to pause and look at the immensity of the grace that Christ has took upon himself. So I think that's the first function of the Holy Spirit is just that, is causing us to open our eyes and accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and the Lord. And we are born again. We are born of the Spirit. So, you know, at some point, we all have this. Those of us who have confessed our sins and we accepted Christ in our hearts, we had this moment. It probably didn't... You could have heard some powerful sermons such as this one. You may have read some great books. You heard the sermon of others, the articulated version of what the Christ is. You may have heard all those. Those are helpful things. But that's not, that's not what, that's not the moment of your decision that you accept Christ in your heart. These things may have guided you. It may have a properly channel in thinking thinking about who the Christ is, but the moment has, for us, it has come. And we are praying for others, that moment will come very soon. I have two teens sitting in, in this room, that's one of my prayers for them. That their moment of encountering the Holy Spirit will come soon. I don't know when that will be, but I'll continue to pray for that. Okay, in verse 10, 10 says, in regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you see, you see me no longer. So he will convict us of what is wrong and what is right. And although he didn't say it in the text directly, I think the, uh, the one other implication is that yeah, not only do we get to know or discern what is wrong and what is right, but he will empower us to do the right thing. We are called righteous. And this righteousness is not our right righteousness. His, God's righteousness, somehow has been transferred to us. So I call it is a uh, transfer of uh, credit. That's, we have done nothing, but God credits us as being righteousness. So I'm sure you heard this, but I mean the clearest way, or sim- the simple mind like mine, I look at, look up, you know, look at my, don't look at it. I look at it, my own bank account, and I say, look at it. I say, whoa, wait, wait a minute. You know, my bank account is running pretty low, and if that's what your testimony is, you may be far better than I am. It's not only running low is digging, digging deeper into a hole. 
The deficit is building. Sounds like federal government, right? The deficit is building, building. And as soon as we accept Christ, and here comes God, He said, whatever debt you have, I'll cancel it. And if that is not thankful enough on our part, then He will give us the surplus from which we can draw to live out our lives that is according to the will of God. That's how I see the, uh, this, uh, uh, this, the transferring of the uh, righteousness that will take place. In verse 11, it says, in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. You know, the prince of the world in the Bible is devil, right? So the, when the Christ has sacrificed his life and rose again, the Satan has been already condemned. So that's, that judgment is righteous because who once was an angel chose to rebel against the almighty God and the God we serve is not a God of uh, love and mercy and grace yes he's all that but he's, all, he's also a God of just so rebellious the rebellion against him and against kingdom has to be dealt with and he did in a way that surprised none of us would have predicted or even have a clue of how God would, God would have condemned the Satan. But he has. But what about us? Do we still stand in judgment? And I'm referring to those who have accepted Christ as a Savior and those now we are rightfully called the sons of God. Do we stand still stand in judgment. With that, what about this one? Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if we, we, I I think we are going to claim or we are going to believe with all in our hearts that we are in Christ Jesus. If that's the case, condemnation is no longer applicable for us. Isn't that great news? What about the uh, Romans 6.23? I think we know that verse so well, right? For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is an eternal life in Christ Jesus. So if you look at the verses like those, I think we have escaped the ultimate judgment that God will bring out against the Satan. And if you know more about it, there's a vivid description in the Revelation of how God will deal with that. But we have escaped it. Isn't that good news? I mean, who wants to stand in the judgment of the Almighty God? And we, I don't know what we have done, but we have escaped it. That's because now we are in the grace of God. Okay? So this gospel, the, the, particularly the grace of God, don't we need this every day, day in and day out? Not just the day when your conversion took place, but day in and day out, we do still need a grace because we have not 
gotten that new body that is promised to us. We haven't gotten it yet. But we are still struggling with the, what the Apostle Paul calls his old nature. And that will have a set of sins and falling short of God associated with it. And that's what we have to live with. We rely on the grace of God. The grace that will grant us day in and day out because we are sons of God. Okay. So those three point, uh, four points, I mean, isn't that enough for us to say, yes, Lord, you are God, and thank you for the Spirit that is dwelling in us, and we will promise we will continue to be a people of God. I think that itself is great. But when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the title of this sermon is filled, a couple of things, it's just a review of what I just said, is that we are born again, we are made righteous, we are empowered to do the right, and we even escape the judgment. Isn't that great? I think that's, that, that is a one of the greatest news that we can proclaim. If you dig a little deeper, I think there are other benefits that we can enjoy when you feel with the Spirit of God. One of which is that yeah, we can produce the fruit of the Spirit, right? There are nine of those. I'm not going to ask you to cite what the nines are, what those nine characters are, but they are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, when you have the fruit, and by the way, it's not fruits. I don't claim I have patience and I don't have a self-control. I think that that is something more. It's a fruit as a one fruit. So we are to possess all those, not just parts of it. When we produce the fruit, the nine characters, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? What are, what are we going to say? Oh, well, I've become a better person. Of course we have. But that's beyond that, right? The nine characters, I think, it's going to mold us, reshape us more to be like Jesus Christ himself. So the molding of ourselves in that the fruit of the Spirit is going to cause us to be to represent the likeness of the Christ. And what an awesome thing. Isn't that what we are trying to do? What we are day in, day, day in and day out, that we plead with God to make us more like Christ. And this is one of the benefits that we can get when we're filled with the, with the Spirit of God. And there's one more thing I'll bring out. That the, I think when we are filled with the Spirit of God, I think we're going to also see miracles. In Joel chapter 2, is repeated in Acts 2. In Acts 2, I, I'm convinced this is God says, something important is coming. Pay attention. In Joel chapter 2, verse 28, and repeated in Acts chapter 2, 17, I, God, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Young sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men 
will see visions. Wouldn't that be a miracle? We can witness those. And the young man sitting out there, are you seeing visions? If you do, do what Mary, Jesus' mother, has done. Treasure it in your heart. You don't have to make a bold statement of what you saw. First, treasure it in your heart. And there must be a reason why God has given you that. And those will later be materialized for His good. But for now, treasure those. And I guess the dreaming dreams is like folks like me. We will, though all men will dream, we will dream. I have to drag Terry Chung along with me because I, I don't want to be here alone, so I'll drag him here too. We'll dream dreams. But the same principle, I think, applies. Just because I had a dream, I don't, make, I don't go around and make a uh, statement about what this dream was. But treasure it in your heart. And God has a purpose why he has given you that. Okay. So, and these are wonderful things. The benefits. Becoming more like Christ when you are filled with the Spirit of God then can I ask, who in this room does not want to be filled with the Spirit of God? Isn't that kind of an odd thing? Or let me phrase it this way. Do you want to be filled with the Spirit of God? I think that's an odd question to ask. Because we pray about, right before the service began, we met in the backstage, we prayed about this, that the Holy Spirit will come, grab our hearts and dwell amongst us. So in that context, what, you know, what an odd question to ask. Do you want to be filled with the Spirit of God? The answer is, of course we do. But I think there is a flip side. A powerful Chicago preacher, A.W. Tozer, you may have heard of it. He once served as the president of a CMNA. That's the den- denomination we belong to. Okay. He had, he had, as far as I know, he would never had a, a formal seminary theological training. But what a wonderful speakers! And one of the things that grabbed his heart is about the spirit of God. So he, he phrased the same question, but you know, more in a blunt way, but I think it's a more convicting way. What he's asking is, are you ready to submit to and be led by a spirit other than your own? Let's pause a moment and give this some thought. Are you ready to submit to and be led by a spirit that is not your own spirit. And I thought, I thought about it. I think it was scary. I'll be the first one to admit it is. Okay. Example is, you know, as much as I love my wife, I can see me submitting to her spirit. And I can say this because she's not here today. <laughs> now, I have to bribe my kids so that they will, uh, they will not tell mom. 
I think it's a scary thought to think that yeah, what you do, the decision that you make, is controlled by not your spirit, but spirit that is other than yours. I think that is the flip side. That's the flip side of the field with a Philip, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit is that we want to leap into this amazing realm where we can see the benefits, see the holiness, feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I think we all, we all want that. The flip side is that the, uh, are you ready to submit to His will? And that it's probably a question that we need to really give some thoughts and start asking the Spirit of God to open our hearts so we can receive not only the benefits, but we are also ready to submit to the will of God. Another way to ask is that the uh, uh, is. You know, I mean, most of us, are we not serving God right now? Did we not come out on Saturday to have a walkthrough? Did we not come out early in the morning to set this so the portable church of a worship can work? Do we not go on a mission? Do we not serve the poor? Do we not give you the praise? Do we not do all these? I think it's a great thing that we are doing it. But have you ever toyed with this idea? It's like, mighty God, I am doing the best I can. What more do you want from me? What more can I do? If you are toying with that idea, and I think some of us have done such things, And the one of the uh, blockade, perhaps the uh, things that we need to uh, struggle with, is the idea of that yeah, we are doing what we can to serve God, and at the same time, we are trying to strike a balance. The balance that brings us this amazing benefit of the Holy God. And yet, there are times we want to do it on our, our time, on our likings. And that, I think, is the question that I want to leave with you this morning. Is that, yeah, are you sure you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Let me rephrase that. Are we? Are you? Am I ready? To be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. If we say yes, it may not be glorious. It may bring sufferings. It may be the things that we have not dreamt of. But that could be what God will bring to us when we are filled with the Spirit of God. I think that's the question I think we have to struggle with. I often look at pastors. You know, what caused them 
What made them to give up their careers? Give up what this world could offer? What made them to respond to the call of God? I look at Andy and Jenny of a crossing borders where you're two weeks ago. I look at them and ask myself the question. In their 50s and 60s, what do they see that uprooted their lives once again and respond to the call of God that we, the world, cannot understand? There's no glory for themselves in that. I look at Andy Choi's father. He has been um, my role model. What makes him to do these kind of crazy things? They must have seen, felt something that that we can't describe, but they know for sure. They are responding to a call of God. So that's, I encourage you to start asking the Lord, am I ready to be filled with the Spirit of God? Am I ready to to surrender? To the will of God. So let me just wrap it up. What we need to do, we are sons of God, is our inheritance to ask the God to fill us with the Spirit of God. That's His promise. That we, as the sons of God, is our inheritance. Ask for it. And the two is a make room in your heart. Is there a room in your heart for the Holy Spirit to dwell in Him? I sometimes ask myself that question. In a quiet moment, make room in your heart so the Spirit can dwell in and start doing amazing things is that we cannot dream of. And the last point is that they are surrender. Surrender to the will of God. Scary as it may be, that's how we become fully communed with the Almighty God Himself. And the surrendering heart, I think God has done the amazing things. Amazing things. It's, that is in this book. The surrendering heart is the one that God will use to the amazing things. Okay, I think I'm done. So let's, uh, let's just take a um, moment or two and ask God, to fill our hearts. Father, we thank you. We give you all of our praise. We give you our all because you are worth it, Lord. But at times I confess that this comes half-heartedly And this comes from the lips. At times my heart says something else. Thank you for giving us the Spirit of God that dwells in us, telling us, guiding us. Father, would you grant us so that we can surrender to your will, however scary it may be, Would you stir our hearts? Say, 
we too can see the amazing glory of God that could be done through us. We thank you for this time. We thank you that you have granted us this time to worship and we give you all the praise. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.